Hey everybody, welcome back to the IGN Movies Podcast, Keeping It Real. It's me and Chris Carl. Back. Uh, Roth Cornette is off doing Roth Cornetti kind of stuff uh, with her... The Cornetti Trilogy. The Cornetti Trilogy. <laughs> Ironically enough, she was uh, she was talking to, to Edgar Wright today, so that's one reason why she's not here. But keep your eyes peeled to the site. We have some great stuff from her uh, on Ant-Man coming up uh, that you got to talk to Edgar Wright about and also some very juicy deets from Frank Darabont <laughs> on Walking Dead and his uh, divorce from that property. His trials and tribulations. He is not holding back. I, I, I have to wonder, did he have like a clause that is now over in his contract or, you know, I think it's does like, he just not give a damn? Here's what I think, and, and, you know, obviously this is TV, but Frank has done tons of movies and stuff too, but like, I really think what it's about is he's doing this new show, he's probably comfortable on this new show now, Yeah. and... I know, you know he's like, like he likes TNT in the back, and they've given him. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like it's probably like a much better situation, and and sort of making him reflect on some things that didn't go well on Walking Dead. Now, I mean, we don't know the whole story, so you can't yeah. really comment on you yeah. know whether we agree or not with it. But yeah, he's definitely he's definitely letting fly with his true feelings. <laughs> he truly is. So um, speaking of letting fly with our true feelings, that's what we do here. That's on what this we. Podcast. That's all we do. That's and we're going to start doing that right now. Sweet. Let's start as always with last weekend's box office where Thor the Dark World surprise, retained surprise. the number 1 position with 36.6 million Thor the Dark World has now significantly outgrossed the original movie in its entire theatrical run and it's only been out for 3 weeks yeah. it's it as of uh, uh, today's podcast it has made over $504 million. The original movie ended its entire worldwide run with $449.3 million. Still not shabby. Still not shabby. <laughs> and not shabby at all, but it's even, you know, Marvel is just, their movies are making more and more money. Now, this movie's not going to hit a billion. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to get up in that range, but I bet it, I, I think it has the legs to probably add another $100 million mm. globally, maybe more. Yeah, um, I, th- I think it'll it'll definitely be one of the, the higher grossing Marvel movies that uh, Downey is not involved in. Um, what uh, what do you think though uh, they should do now with Thor three? Given okay, spoiler warning: if you haven't seen Thor: The Dark World, maybe you should get around to it because we're gonna have to. We are gonna start talking about things that are revealed in that movie. So without further ado. Um, you know, it ends with you. You saw it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was about to I mean, ruin it for you. I loved it. I thought yeah, it was, yeah. I thought it was a great movie. Uh, I, I liked it. I, I, I want to see it again and see if I love it this time. But, um, but I definitely appreciate that there's more Asgard, and it ends with a setup for, um, you know, what seems to be a Thor three, where there's an usurper Loki on the throne. Yeah. What happened to Odin? Is it going to be a prison break movie? We basically have kind of a man in the Iron Mask scenario here, where there's a, a false king who has switched identities with the true king. So that's what I'm assuming is maybe Odin is in some other realm or something. I feel like it's probably going to be resolved before we hit Thor three. Really? To be honest, I think it might actually come to come to pass in. In Age of Ultron, um, I think really? there might be some. Yeah, because first of all, well, Loki's long, not going to be in Ultron though. In Age a, of Ultron, well, yeah, there's a and, and Thor is on Earth now. Cinematic period of time to go to keep that situation sort of. Current. Yeah, and you know the Marvel Universe is moving forward all the time, so. I, I I just feel like you know that they, they they tied it into the Shield show and you know each of these things is moving a piece of the puzzle forward. Like Guardians of the Galaxy is clearly going to come after this movie is over. Yeah. Um. And build on it. And, and then Agents of Shield is now yeah extrapolating or exploring on events that happened in Thor: The Dark World. So, so that's what I'm saying. Like I think I feel like because the movie because the world is constantly moving forward. Like it's you're not going to have this false. Loki sitting on the throne for through the events of like three or four movies, you know. I just yeah. feel like it, I think they'll resolve. And also, it Loki before. died a hero, quote unquote. Yeah, you know his false redemptive death. Here's one thing, though. I'm getting a little sick of the whole getting impaled thing in Marvel movies. <laughs> Every like, there's been three movies in a row now where somebody's been stabbed through the chest. I'm kind of you know, it's the new falling up from great heights. 
you, which you, they did in all the Batman movies. You give love <laughs> a bad name. <laughs> um, let's talk about some other uh, uh, kind of Marvel-related stuff. Um, on the Thor 2 tip, uh, it, they, there was another Easter egg. An Easter egg spotted within an Easter egg. Uh, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy tag that's at the end of Thor 2. Uh, one of the things in the collector's vault is Adam Warlock's cocoon. So people are like, hmm, could we maybe see Adam Warlock in a future one? Also, yes, uh, I mean, right? Yes. I, I think that would Period. be kind of cool. <laughs> and it'll happen. Um, and then this is older news, but I, I just saw it now. I don't know how I missed this, but, you know, Alan Taylor, the director of Thor 2, was sl- had slammed the Guardians of the Galaxy tag. He didn't like it. He didn't like that it was in there. He didn't, you know. I don't mind seems, that it's in there. It's just not well done. You it know? isn't, yeah. And he said, like, I'm not going to take the blame for that one. He was surprisingly candid, which doesn't seem politically a smart thing to do when you're out promoting your new Marvel movie. I just don't think he's... I, I mean, reading between the lines there, I bet he wasn't super pleased with the process. Yeah. Um, because I don't think you do... I mean, Has there you, been any director, though, working with Marvel that can actually say they were they all ended up with complaints well i mean Favreau's the only one who's repeated right like he's the only right. he's the only one who can, well, but he then he had an in, unceremonious kind of departure from it too so he, he was from by all accounts he absolutely hated working on iron man 2 or at least how it turned out he felt I, rushed. He felt like, you know... I felt the movie felt rushed, and I, f- I felt like it doesn't have the same heart and sort of same dynamic as most of the Marvel movies. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's weird. I think partially because you, as a director, I, th- I feel like there are some people who can operate within a framework easily, but I don't think... I, most directors don't want to do that forever. You know, they, they yeah. don't want to be like, I'm going to be tied to three movies where I'm doing somebody else's movie. Even Michael Bay in this in this sort of scope of Transformers where he may feel trapped in sort of that world. But he's he the big dog in that license. Time. He has a lot of a lot of license. When you have Kevin Feige there sort of calling the shots and keeping things on, yeah. on, on task. I mean, honestly, in which franchise, which is the guy truly responsible for the billion dollar grosses? In Marvel's case, it's Feige. There's and, a reason why there's a sameness to all those movies. And honestly, I really think that that it's 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 okay, you know. Yeah. Have these guys come in as hired guns, have them do their movie, you know, like they're going to get a big boost from doing a Marvel movie anyway. And and you know, you, it's not the most creative thing in the world for a director to put his stamp on. But even with yeah, and the Shane third Black, movie of a, of a um, you know Shane Black did it. And if you like Iron Man three or not, and I know a lot of people don't like it, but if you like it or not, it feels like a Shane Black movie. But in he also when he like came in movie. here to do uh, this press thing for us for Iron Man two Blu ray. I also got the sense like he wouldn't want to work with Marvel again. Hmm. Like he, I, he's like it's too many years of your life, and also, you know, there's too many other things I'd want to do. Because I had asked him like, hey, wouldn't you know? How about you for Avengers three? And he just he looked like he'd rather swallow cyanide. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think they make a good point there. Like it is a huge undertaking, and. Um, you know, even though it's a, like you're working with cool characters and 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 fleshing out this really cool, amazing world, you know, at the end of the day, you are a hired gun. You're doing something within also, the narrow confines of what they want you to you do. You don't know too how much do these guys really love comic book movies. I mean, look at somebody like Zack Snyder. Clearly, he loves that medium, right? Because most of his movies have been based on comics. Here's a crazy question for you: Do you think we'll ever see a Zack Snyder Marvel movie? I think in time it's possible, yeah. I I think at the end of the day, somebody like that, how beholden do they need to be to a studio? All it takes is one bad experience with them. Like, Nolan seems like he's already kind of divorcing himself from Warners a little bit, which I know that Warners didn't want, but he seems to be making inroads over at Paramount with Interstellar and stuff like that. So It's interesting. I I kind of thought, you know, with Legendary he might follow that yeah uh, it, that's not happening either necessarily i i think i think it's it it behooves a director at certain points in their career to be tied to a studio and at other points in the career it it's a good idea to sort of pack up pull ups pull up stakes and, and and move on i think it allows for a little bit more creative freedom and then you know like those guys 
it's just I, I I think it's just like any human endeavor. Like we always talk about one of one for them, one for you. Yeah. I think if you do too many for them in any situation, like you're gonna not feel great about the way your life is going, and then you're gonna right. want to do something for yourself. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about some other Marvel properties here. Amazing Spider-Man Two. Um, uh, the boss of uh, Sony Pictures, Amy Pascal, was at an investors conference, and she said, "Quote: We are going to access Marvel's full world of Spider-Man characters, so be on the lookout for new heroes and villains." That is so awesome. So that means, like, you know, it's all about world building these days. DC is doing it with Batman versus Superman. We have more to talk about that in a minute. Um, yeah, and, and X-Men is doing that with Days of Future Past. Uh, you know, clearly Marvel's not going to be getting these characters back anytime soon. So right. so what do you think, though, about... Um, do you think the Spider-Man movies have more potential to be kind of... To go off the rails, to be overstuffed? I mean, it doesn't... I don't... I, I'm, I didn't 100% like The Amazing Spider-Man. I thought it was unnecessary but decent for what it did. Um, uh, and I'm afraid that the sequel already has a lot of people in there. And yeah, I'm worried about that too. I actually, I think I liked probably Amazing Spider-Man more than you did. But like, I think the sequel does have that issue where every time I hear of a new element of that movie, I'm like, oh my god, how much yeah. more can this fit? And then it starts getting a Spider-Man three vibe to it, which you know, I honestly don't think the biggest downfall of that movie was. The, the the goth thing, the singing, that I feel could be dismissed. That that was kind of stupid, but like, whatever. It's a moment yeah. in the movie. Yeah. The bigger problem was that there was just too many things going on. Yeah. Like you couldn't focus in on James the Franco, James Franco storyline. Venom. You couldn't focus in on Venom. Gwen and Stacy. Honestly, I didn't want to focus in on Venom. I feel like they could have just had that movie be about Sandman. Yeah. Sort of pick up the action in the Sandman thing. Sandman was the more compelling character. I know the fans yeah. love Venom, but. He wasn't. They didn't explore him well enough, and I, I don't blame Topher Grace for that. I blame the just the powers that be that made the movie. It was too. It was too much. Like we need one in there for merchandising. And honestly, that wasn't Sam Raimi's call either. Yeah, you know, he he. There's a reason why he didn't end up coming back for another he one. He felt really pressured. I think. I, I think it's beyond pressure. I think they were saying you are doing this. Yeah. Um, and then Venom ended up in the movie. Now with something like this, I'm actually excited though because I think if they don't, I mean, they're obviously not going to try to stuff it into Amazing Spider-Man two, but. For Amazing Spider-Man 3, we could see Black Cat. We could see, yeah. you know, some of those other characters. The problem with Spider-Man, though, is that he doesn't have as many attending characters as something like X-Men or even the stuff that Marvel has now. What, so, do, you, what do you mean by attending characters? So, like, extra characters, like, that are heroes in addition to Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Fight there's, alongside. There's, yeah, I mean, at that point, because they don't have the rights to, to most of them, you're, you are kind of pigeonholed with... The, the good bad guy villains like a black cat or I mean hell maybe there's even a way you can tweak things and take somebody who's normally a villain and force them to team up with them yeah. You know, I mean, maybe they're trying to do that with Harry Osborn. I don't, I don't know. I Could mean, be. I don't know. And I mean, you have a lot of different storylines to sort of draw from now and, and, there's a lot of different takes on Spider-Man out there, so we could we could be looking at all kinds of different things, um, you know, character-wise. I don't know. I, I I just think that the heroes available to the Spider-Man universe are less yeah. less than others. Yeah. So, but I'm excited about Black Cat, and I think um, you know, obviously, we're going to see more villains. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, I think Spidey himself is a compelling enough hero to to carry it on his own. Uh, I think maybe if they want to bring in. Supporting characters who aren't necessarily like superhero types, like explore some of the people at at the Daily Bugle, you know, Betty Brandt yeah. or Robbie Robertson, guys, like, you know, characters like that. I think that could be interesting. I think you know, uh, it, it seems pretty likely they're going to kill off Gwen Stacy in this movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, let let me talk to you a little bit though about Batman versus Superman. Oh yeah. Um, Name them off. Uh, okay, so there's a report today that uh, uh, Warner's has um, registered the following domains for the Man of Steel sequel. Because at the end of the day, this is a sequel to Man of Steel. As much as we're talking about Batman, yeah, you know, you, you do have to wonder about Henry Cavill's state of mind right now. Like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa! I'm Superman. This was my movie. What happened? Well, I mean, yeah, we'll get into yeah. that. Uh, all right. So here, according to Fusible. 
are the um, domain registrations that were that they discovered. Man of Steel colon Battle the Night. Man of Steel Beyond Darkness. Man of Steel Black of Night. And that's night in both cases with a K, okay, you know. Uh, Man of Steel, Darkness Falls, apparently not related to that horror movie from a few years that ago. That will not make it in. Uh, Man of Steel, Night Falls, the Nightfall storyline, though was kind of touched upon by Bane in yeah. Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Man, although I have a feeling they don't even know that. <laughs> Man of Steel, Shadow of the Night, but this time night with no K. Oh, um, Man of Steel, The Blackest Hour. Man of Steel, The Darkness Within. That's too Star Trek-y. Too much. Me. Yeah. Uh, I don't like any of them. <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Black of Night or Battle of the Night, but I think they're all, just call it Superman versus Batman. I, I don't think we are going to get that, though. I think we're going to get Man of Steel colon something, and it's not yeah. going to be Man of I Steel. I it'll be Batman versus Superman internationally, like when it opens up yeah. in like Japan or something, instead of trying to translate it, like, <laughs> Superman is angry at whatever, you know. Like. I, think it, I think it will be something along one of those lines, you know. Um, I don't really have a preference either. I feel like, especially when you look at them as a huge block of text, it's like, yeah, <laughs> there know, are too man. many colon this colon that. Even Amazing Spider-Man too. Uh, we can talk about this a little bit. There's um, we were having um, uh, a little difficulty getting the proper Spanish translation for this because it's different depending on how you look at it. But one thing was that it was Amazing Spider-Man colon Rise of Electro, which I friggin' hate because I'm so yeah. sick of rise this, rise that, and everything. And then another one was, uh, I think it was Spectacular Spider-Man, Menace uh, of Electro, or something like that. But I don't feel like it needs a a, a colon, a, a subtitle thing. I honestly don't think that anybody is going to put anything in the theater ever again called Menace. Yeah, you know, like I don't think I don't think menace is a good word for moviegoers, and I don't think it. I think this all this stuff is so psychologically driven. Yeah. I think darkness, dark rise you know, is blackness. That is, is, is a successful term. I mean, dark, rise, is, rise, is, rise, rise is, is the planet of the age. But you know, darkness, darkness, no, blackness, not rise of the guardians. Though. All those terms are bummer terms. And you can overcome them with something with Batman's once in a while. But, like, you don't want to name your movie something dark or black. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like, I, you know, we've, we've actually kicked around the idea of trying to do, like, a feature on, on this very subject of, like, okay, which, which titles, that, uh, which words the most used in titles that are actually kind of successful. Right. Um, I am curious. I don't know if dark in and of itself is bad. I mean, a lot of horror movies, I guess, but I think I think night clicks, but maybe dark is too dark. I think dark just puts night sounds cool off. Dark sounds off putting. And here's the here's the other thing. I really really think DC needs to have a little bit up more uplifting title for this movie. You know, like I feel like it's been kind of rolling around in How the about Man of Steel colon Cape Crusaders. <laughs> yeah, that could be I awesome. mean a lot of people want world's finest, but frankly I think that's just too quaint and doesn't to me that doesn't say that sounds like a merchant ivory movie. I know what it means. It was fine by me by my nerd brain, but <laughs> I don't think world's finest world's finest what? To me it sounds like I know uh, what that means. World's finest to me. It sounds like a sports thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why. Like, I'm just like, yeah. I don't associate it with comic books at all. <laughs> uh, on, on the uh, Batman versus Superman tip, Adam Driver from Girls recently denied the rumors that he was up for Nightwing. Thank God. But we'll see. Maybe he's Thank just God. being political about I it. I just don't see him as Nightwing. He's a fine guy, you know. Like, yeah. I like Girls a lot, but I just don't see him stepping in at Nightwing and yeah. making that. Work. I mean, I it, to me, it only works if you you approach it like he was the former child star, but now he's grown up. Right. Basically, the Dickie Roberts of superheroes. Yeah. You know? yeah. um, then uh, the producer Charles Roven said that they they have a first draft in hand. Hey, no worries, it only starts filming in February. And um, yeah, so we'll see. You can what, do a what lot happens. to a script in two months. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. What, oh, Although, let's talk. There about, is that whole pre-production thing. Yeah, that whole thing. I think they know what the set pieces are. I think they're just trying to figure out, you know, maybe some of the character dynamic stuff. Um, let's talk about Bat Kid for a minute. Oh yes, that little fella, uh, Miles Scott, five guy. years old, leukemia. Um, 
patient. He, he's Survivor. in remission. Yeah. yeah, he's in remission now. Uh, City of San Francisco spent $105,000 to prepare for his big day at Make-A-Wish Foundation. Basically transformed the city into Gotham City. And he played Batman and arrested some supervillains. It was a beautiful thing. Uh, ben Affleck, Michael Keaton, Christian Bale, all these former Batman of all chimed in on it um and so that was really cool and and uh you know just it, it made me tear up looking at it i thought it was a very sweet thing for fellow human beings to do i feel like you know there's a lot of sort of backlash about this money should have gone to something else and this and that and it's like city you know, this the city that spends liberally on everything <laughs> griping about a, a five-year-old cancer patient but here's the thing it I, I feel like it's not stopping anybody from giving more, yeah. and it's not stopping somebody else from benefiting. And and if it brings sort of like, uh, if it gives hope to other yeah, sick kids, yeah, period. That's you know? all you need. I mean, like it's worth a hundred. Not, not, not to go off on a, on a rant here because we're not political types on the on the podcast, but you know, San Francisco has no problem spending a hundred and five grand on all sorts of initiatives. You know, you know, if this was about clean needles nobody would gripe about it but it's about this one little kid and i get a lot of press but i feel like it's i feel like this this little kid it, it shows that your city is a nice place to be not only that it's, it's good an, press for it's your city an international story of hope like you said and you know the fact that everybody sees sort of the human side of it and the value in it and you know i, I just think I it's, it's a wonderful it's, story. It's really silly, and it's also what Make a Wish is there for. It's there yeah, to make that's that what kind they of dream do. come true. <laughs> yeah. You know? So yeah, I, I thought it was a really cool story, and and I, I think the follow up from it has been, you know, like has been really amazing. Like there have been so many outlets. One hundred and five k though in a city's budget isn't that much, <laughs> right? Oh, I, I mean, they spend more on Fourth of July. Yeah, they spend a lot more on Fourth of July. Yeah. Fourth of July there though is impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently say. that's where the money's gonna come out of yeah. that budget that was already earmarked for Fourth of July. Yeah. So, so I guess Fourth of July this year might be a little uh, or next year will be Maybe they make it two minutes shorter and then yeah. that's cool. And then yeah. the little kid gets his dream. There we go. Um all right, well let's move on to some uh we have some more comic book movie news. Uh, no. X Men Days of Future Past are gonna do some additional shooting. We knew people that. call it reshoots, but you know, it's we everything is structured in now. You go back, you grab things you couldn't get or you you realize you need I think um, when you're looking and, and one good thing to one thing to like keep in mind for everybody is that like when you talk about reshoots these days especially it doesn't mean that anything's like necessarily wrong yeah and it and a lot of times you just think about how complex these things are. If one thing changes, you're going to have to like go do something differently down the line. Um, you know, we're not even talking about reshoots like something like World War Z, which went yeah. Uh, ex- that went that that is that is a sign that somebody wanted to change something major. This is like and hey, also we're an X Men Days of Future Past. Look at all the moving parts in that. Look at all those schedules they had to juggle. Maybe this is the only time certain people could have scenes together. They have to come back and do it. I'm I mean, really I, curious. Really, yeah. really curious to see how that movie is put together. Yeah. I think I think most of the original cast are going to be cameos. I think Halle Berry is a couple of scenes because she was pregnant and she had another gig lined up. And I think I think McKellen and Stewart will probably be in there a fair bit. Yeah. Um, obviously it's Jackman's show, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't bank too much on like Halle Berry or Ellen Page being in the movie that long. Mm. Uh, Iceman is probably, I bet you he'll probably be in there a, a bit. Yeah. Um, but um, in Anna Paquin, I don't know how much time she could carve out with True Blood, but it's still a small miracle that they get everyone together. I think it's going to be really, really interesting. And I, I also do think, I agree with you, like they're, they made a big deal about getting all these people together, and it is a big deal. Yeah. But uh, but a lot of them, I think, are going to spend less than a minute on screen. Yeah, it, to me it reminds me of those old biblical epic epics where they're like a cast of thousands, including John Wayne, and so on. <laughs> and he's just there to play like the center. You know, he's got that awful bit where he's just John Wayne and everything. I love John Wayne. I love the Duke, but he was John Wayne and everything. And, and you know, he shows up as the centurion at the crucifixion of Christ, and he goes... Surely this is the son of God. <laughs> you know, like that's that's his big line, and he gets billing in the movie, and it's just that's John Wayne 
in a Roman outfit with that one line, you know? But you remember it, so it <laughs> Oh, worked. yeah, it, it did. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, uh, da, 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 da. Hey, here's, a, here's some interesting comic book uh, movie rumors. Uh, the long just dating Sandman movie that, you know, Neil Gaiman Sandman, one of the, the, the last of the, the great comics that haven't been adapted for screen. It's kind of, I think now that we've had Watchmen, I'd say probably Sandman is the last big, the big one. Yeah. To, to, you know, have a crack at it. And a decent take on Swamp Well, it's at Warner Brothers. They have the rights. And apparently David Goyer and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who work together in Dark Knight Rises, um, want to do it as a movie. Goyer has apparently pitched it to Warner Brothers, who liked it, was receptive to his take on it. And he's kind of... Kind of, sort of, their Kevin Feige right now, yeah. and uh, JGL, you know, is JGL, and he would play um, uh, Morpheus. And uh, I haven't read it. Is that terrible? That's terrible. Oh. I haven't. I've never read Sandman. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, basically, we'll we'll see if this pans out. I mean, Sandman is is one of those storied. Everyone has had a crack at a kind of thing. This could just be another case of that. So I want to get your hopes up about it, but. You know, of all the people who get attached to it, you know, this is a pretty good uh, pairing. Um, this isn't, you know, obviously isn't the TV podcast, but I have to say, like, Preacher was one of those things. And it was just, uh, you know, reports last week of Seth Rogen um, becoming involved with it for as an AMC pilot. Right. And so we'll see. I, mean, I also think this duo is a realistic duo to get it made. You yeah. Know, like that's it. if you're going to put two people together to get that project going, I think those two names are good to like yeah. light off a few. Like I'm sorry, but if if Ridley Scott is attached to a movie, he's going to make five other ones that just cropped up in between like yeah. I, in some ways I feel like getting Ridley Scott attached to your movies is kind of a kiss of death because you're not I can I can <laughs> I have oh, so many stories that I have written <laughs> For years of all these things that he's attached to, and it seems like all of a sudden, oh, this thing came across my desk. Oh, we're going to make that next. Like, your movie will never get made, you know? Well, and I I think it's like a little bit more, I I think there's a little, there's all kinds of behind the scenes stuff that we don't see, you know, and all kinds of politics, and I'll do this if you get this made. And then I think people's you know people's desires for what they want to do change after yeah. they've sat and looked at the thing for a yeah, while. Yeah, maybe nobody's cracked the script or whatever. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, just rattle off a couple of news items. Universal, according to the uh, Wall Street Journal, still they don't have the rights to make a Ted sequel. Why? Uh, because it was an independently financed movie that Universal just distributed. So Universal went out there and said, "We're releasing Ted two on this date." Blah blah blah. Well, you don't have the rights, so now you've got to pay a pretty penny to the uh, independent producer company that made the that actually financed the movie. If you want to put it out there, otherwise they'll go with a different distributor. I'm sure Universal will pony what? up. They will, <laughs> you know. But it's I mean, like you, you'll probably so much take money. But I have to wonder though if Universal, because it was such a hit, will actually get a smaller piece of the pie this time. It's possible, but you know, honestly, yeah. I mean the. The whole idea of doing independently financed anything is so that you have that hit where you can ask for more the second time. You know? Yeah, like that's the whole point. So yeah, they might get less of a take, but you got to think about the, the the big picture, the franchise picture. I'm sure they're gonna. I'm sure after this misstep, they're gonna structure a deal out for yeah. Ted whatever through yeah. however many iterations of Ted the cartoon. Yeah, like uh, holiday direct-to-video yeah, specials yeah. and. Uh, okay, some episode seven stuff I want to throw out there. Um, yes, Lucasfilm officially confirmed that R two D two is in there. I know everyone's like, "That's not news." They put out a photo. Well, yeah, when Lucasfilm announces it and says that two fans who were part of this R two D two building club are hired to work on the movie, like a dream job for them to actually <laughs> build the R two D two in the movie, I think that's newsworthy. Yeah, it's really cool too. I mean, like, yeah. I, I love. Well, you know, we're getting to this generation where J.J. Abrams and, and, you know, everybody really associated with this project will have grown up huge Star Wars fans. Yeah. So instead of the person who created it, it's like the fans sort of taking it over. 
And damn, if I'm not excited about that. Yeah, like all parts of that. I think I. I mean, look, it, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see if all these moving parts can actually come together. Um, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic about episode seven. I like the the people who are involved so far. Um, one other little Star Wars tidbit: the le- the upcoming Lego movie. Uh, reportedly will feature some Star Wars Lego characters. So that sounds awesome. That's awesome. Harkening way, way back to that talk that we were having, this reminds me, harkening way back to that talk that we were having about Spider-Man and so forth. I really do think at some point they're going to work it out so that Spider-Man appears in a Marvel movie and vice yeah. versa. I really do think that they're getting to a point where... I think that's every, a lot gonna, easier to happen than the X-Men. Yeah, it's up. like it's starting to feel like it could benefit everybody. Yeah. And and um, and I, you know, I was thinking about that when you were talking, and then I was like, you know, I was starting to think in my mind, like, is, is Spider-Man going to go after like some arcane people? Like, who does Mobius belong to? Stuff like that. Yeah. Probably belongs to Marvel. But then I started thinking, you know, Spider-Man could. I don't think it's going to be like any big thing, but I think Spider-Man yeah. could make a cameo. I think they might. I work think it he out. could. I mean, his New York totally fits in with the New York of the Marvel movies. Whereas the X-Men totally or. It's much darker. You could make Wolverine work in there, but the fact that you already have different Quicksilvers and different Scarlet Witches to me indicates there's no future for that to happen there. Um, also, I, I just feel like it's a lot easier rights-wise to have Spider-Man make a pass in an Avengers movie than to sit there and haggle with Fox over all these different X-Men. It yeah, just yeah. doesn't seem... It, it just people hoping for that I, I think you need to stop hoping for at least the X-Men part of it maybe Wolverine maybe Wolverine but, but even it. at that I mean the, the the licensing fee alone would be a, a the gross national you know income of a uh, small island nation probably here's the thing <laughs> I'm wondering I'm wondering if two things I'm wondering could they do a barter deal where it's just like we'll give you our guy for your movie you give you our you know your guy yeah. for our movie that's a possibility what do you think about sharing? Um, what do you think about? So basically, um, like a Yankee swap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you think about um, uh, Fantastic Four and um, Spider-Man sharing the same universe? Because there's lots of crossover characters there. That you could, Jameson, I mean, you know. I feel like that could, yeah. I mean, that could definitely probably work a little easier. Um, and I could see Fox and Sony maybe hashing out a deal before I could see Fox and Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't know of there being any sort of bad blood between them, but I definitely know like they did haggle over getting Daredevil back, um, and you know Marvel ultimately got him back, and obviously he's going to be part of that whole Netflix thing. But I, I think I could see, and also like the the sort of the cheekiness of at least of the prior Fantastic Four films kind of fits with. Spidey. Yeah. Although I don't know it, it, what what Josh Trank's take is going to be. Yeah, and I, frankly, I don't. Maybe I, I it don't fit totally. I know that movie's going to release date, but I somehow don't think it's going to happen. Really? Yeah. At I, I think all? it's no. I think it'll fall apart this iteration. and It'll come together with other people. Really? I just I just have a feeling. I feel like it, there's been a lot of non news on it. Like, like oh, so and so's looking at it, but. It just, I don't, you don't know. You don't think so? Well, yeah, I, I kind of feel know. like it's, its yeah, I think I feel like it's going to happen, but we'll see. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to keep your eye on because... I just feel like Josh Trank at some point might drop out. At, at some point, you know, well, they're definitely going to do it so that they keep the rights, but, yeah, yeah. you know, you, you can't extend it out too far because you know Marvel's sitting there like, I can't wait. Yeah. I mean, if anything, you could do... I mean, and maybe this is where X-Men Days of Future Past comes in. Who knows? For all we know, maybe there is a Franklin Richards character in there to tie in somehow with Fantastic Four to buy them another couple of years. I don't know. I mean, for all I know, he's not in there. But he's in the story. He's in the original graphic novel. Yeah, yeah. We'll Um, see him. But uh, on the rights issue, there's some other interesting stuff. James Bond, for decades, like 40 or 50 years now... There's been an ongoing battle with the estate of Kevin McClory. Now, who's that? He was a guy who uh, co-wrote the story for Thunderball um, with Ian Fleming as a movie script. And then Fleming went and took it and made it into a novel, thus spawning a lawsuit when it got turned into a movie. And McClory was able to retain the, the use of 
Blofeld, Spectre, and and Bond, and the ancillary characters in the the in all the elements of the story of Thunderball, the screenwrites. That's how he was able to make the non-canon Bond film, Never Say Never Again, and then he tried to get another iteration off the ground about 20 years later. Uh, well, and then that just didn't happen. Yeah, and now he's passed away, and now his estate, uh, uh, the 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 Bond uh, rights holders of the rest of them have now settled that lawsuit. They have all the rights back, including Blofeld and Spectre, meaning. We could see the return of Ernst Stavro Blofeld Inspector. Uh, uh, that's not all I, I said. Ernst Stavro Blofeld Inspector. No, Inspector <laughs> uh, in the Daniel Craig series, which I think would be awesome because, as we saw at the end of Skyfall, they've now kind of returned to like kind of what it was at the beginning of the Sean Connery era. Yeah. Even down to like the set of M's office looks like the set from Doctor No and all those movies. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. I I feel like um, Spectre is like it's such like a it's like an evil organization. Yeah, I don't it's know such how a you Doctor make it work. Kind of you know? like, I mean, they were trying to do that with Quantum. You could kind of you could do something with Spectre, but I think there are ways you can at least use Blofeld. You can oh, Blofeld. Sure. They definitely need their um, their Joker back. You know, like they need it'd be like if the Batman movies couldn't use Joker for. Uh, Thirty years, yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's basically what happened there, and and you know, there were a lot of good Bond villains in between that they created, some that didn't work, but you know, look at Javier Bardem and Skyfall proved that you could do a great villain on your own. Yeah. Um, but I think since you are, since they've been slowly but surely returning to um, the classic Bond, what better way to reintroduce these uh, characters than in the the Craig series? Yeah, and perhaps that's why you know. They that that it happened this way. You know? Yeah, uh, maybe maybe they came. You know, maybe they made a higher offer, or maybe you know, yeah. like, who knows what happened. I mean, especially when you're dealing with a state, sometimes they just want it settled because they need the money. Yeah, you know. But um, let's uh, let's talk about a couple of upcoming movies. Uh, we both saw Frozen. You posted your review of the movie Loved it. on the site. I enjoyed it quite a bit too. I think you liked it even more than I did. But I I, yep. I got to say, best. Songs in a classic in a in a Disney animated movie since the nineties. Yeah, I agree. I you know I I said that in my review. A couple of people in the comments said, "Oh yeah, did you for- completely forget about Tarzan?" I said, "No." That's also the, from the nineties. The the best ones since probably Beauty and the Beast for me. I mean, I yeah, like Aladdin- Beauty and the Beast had so many songs from there that everyone knows, and I feel like Frozen is largely the same way. I mean. The one big showstopper, uh, the um, Let It Go, mm-hmm. that shit's got the Oscar in the bag. I know, I know. I think I even wrote that in my review. It's like, if she's not already sort of practicing for the Oscars, like, you're doing it wrong. Like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know of a bigger lock for the Oscars than that song, you know? Like, yeah. There just isn't one. Um, but Unless it's another song for that movie, like uh, the, uh, the the Snowman and the Heat bit that yeah. Josh Gad does. Like, Which I bet, is amazing as well. I'm sure that'll get nominated just so they can put him on stage and have have them perform. Yeah, I, I'm sure both of those songs will. And and honestly, if I were to nominate a third one, the one that is the montage song of them growing up in the beginning oh, yeah, of the movie yeah. is uh, Do You Want which to Build a been Snowman? A, yeah, That's which could have been a beautiful. very modeling song, but they turn it into a fun one, you know? Yeah, and it's just a, a movie, like, I, I didn't say probably enough of this in my review, but that movie is just so, like... Hits all the perfect notes. It hits the sentiment, sentimentality perfectly. It hits the romance perfectly. The humor. It, the humor is like perfect. It's not too much. Yeah. Everything is just and there's really enough well there for the kids to get yeah. with the cutesy snowman stuff, but also his lines for the adults to enjoy. Yeah. Like he's got yeah. his timing is fantastic too. And the, the gag is amazing. To me, he's the biggest breakout, like kind of sidekicky character since the uh, genie and Aladdin. And we've said this before, and I, I will continue to say this. I don't think that these Disney movies need to have the Shrek huge marquee talent associated yeah. with them anymore. Um, I think, like, the movie stands on its Even own. Even the Beast didn't, though. Right. And that was a wonderful film and a huge hit. Exactly. You don't need it. And I yeah. think that Shrek came along and then put for, like, for like 15 years has put movies in this place where it's like, oh, we need to have... You know, names to put up on the billboard. Well, it's like well, there I are think, tons of great voice actors out there. I think, though, part of that blame, though, falls on Disney, too, with Robin Williams and Aladdin and then True. Eddie Murphy and Mulan. True. I mean, sure. Eddie Murphy did Mulan before he did Shrek. 
That's true. So, I mean, I feel like they opened the door to it, but they also, um, I mean, the the Pixar movies showed that just you can have recognizable voice actors, but they're not huge stars like Craig T. Nelson or right. Holly Hunter well, and I people mean, like that. Tom Hanks, obviously, in Toy Story. That's a cool thing. That probably helped get that movie made, though, because back then Pixar yeah, wasn't sure. Pixar, and then they were married to him. Well, it's know? interesting. Like, like You get to something like Finding Nemo, Nemo, and then that's Albert Brooks, and that's not like Albert Brooks is not like opening yeah. you know, movies. And Ellen wasn't quite... At, she was she was uh, a, a celebrity and a star then, but I, th- I feel like even Ellen now has more cast because of her morning talk show than she yeah. had even in the 90s with her sitcom. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like she is now, she's got, you know, a couple of generations of fans now, so that, yeah. that gives her even more clout, you know? She's such an awesome person. I'm, like, very... I've never <laughs> met her. Very happy that she's, like, succeeding and, um, and you know, like, I'm she really excited... like she's got a good head on her shoulders. I'm really excited about Finding Dory. I'd actually like to see um, her return as the Oscar host. She is. Uh, forever. Oh, like forever. I yeah, was like, like, yeah, she's doing it this coming year. Forever. Like, oh, like be the new Johnny Carson. <laughs> yeah, she just is the Oscar host. Well, yeah, like Johnny Carson and Bob Hope did it for years yeah. and Billy Crystal for a while. I got to say, though, a couple of years when they brought Billy Crystal back, he didn't have it anymore. He doesn't have it anymore. He was, he was too rusty. I just think that, like, she has that level of sweetness and respect that, like, I think is sometimes missing from... I, I like watching that show because it's like a spectacle, and sometimes it's a sometimes it's a pseudo train wreck, and sometimes people say things that I don't think they should. Like Chris Rock was a horrible and, host and, that, and that and that. Well, yeah, but I mean, I I, I personally dig Chris Rock. I just, oh yeah, I, I do too. I just don't think he was the right host for that crowd because you know you don't throw other actors under the bus in front of like his Jude Law comment when you know you have Sean Penn come up on stage during the same broadcast and then snark back, back I just at him. I hated that from Sean Penn I feel like I feel like I just I didn't I didn't I didn't like that I, yeah. I didn't like that well I mean whatever it I, I really think that Oscar hosts are are it's a really hard thing to do as has been evidenced in the last couple of years it's yeah. very very hard to do and it's hard to do so that everybody feels positively about the experience but Ellen does it well you know yeah. I feel like she would be I thought a good Baldwin person and sort of Steve Martin were good insta- yeah Steve Martin was great yeah maybe bring him back at some point uh, what well, just I just want to rattle off some release dates as part of the news Mad Max 4 Fury Road will finally come out May 15th 2015 uh, I'll believe it when I see it um, yeah I believe that's just a couple of weeks after Avengers 2. Uh, the Purge 2, opening up June 20th, 2014. Dumb and Dumber 2, November 14th, 2014. Insidious Chapter 3, April 3rd, 2015. Mission Impossible 5, Christmas Day, 2015. It will go, be going up against Star Wars. 2015, people. Yes. Holy, holy schmoly. And this is, this is the biggest heartbreak of not having Roth Cornette on this, this podcast. Fifty Shades of Grey balked. It blinked. And it's showdown with Guardians of the Galaxy. It will no longer open up against Guardians. Uh, It's going to open up instead for Valentine's uh, Day, well, February 13th, 2015, which means uh, it'll, it'll just clean up that day. At least 30 million more, I'd say, now for Guardians. Or as I uh, said in one tweet, uh, Raccoon 1, Beaver 0. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like, well, the nice thing about that is it's the day before Valentine's Day, so you can still rush out to the store and get your S&M gear. That's right. That's right. They're thinking of mom and pop. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. They're thinking, here's how you spice things They know their audience. I think it's actually a really smart move. I I think it's a good business move. In addition to that, I think it was kind of predicated on the fact that they don't have everything set yet. You know, like they still have to make this film. I still wish David Cronenberg David Cronenberg was making oh this. Oh my god, it would be so good. It He's the only so one that can make S and M like esoteric and like A list level stuff. Like it would be awesome. It would be awesome. I, I kind of feel like um I, I have to read this book now, but I'll tell no, you, you what don't. I'm not I thumbed do. through it. It's horrible. I'm going to tell it. you what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to check it out from my local library. <laughs> yeah. All right. So maybe you guys saw this going around online, but uh some sci- uh, some doctors or scientists or whatever tested copies of Fifty Shades of Grey that were taken out from the library, and they found traces of herpes on the book. Like, not enough to actually catch herpes, but clearly, like, people must have been whacking it, reading the book or something. People said they also found enough traces of cocaine in that book. <laughs> Seriously, there's enough cocaine in the book to actually affect your body by touching the pages. <laughs> 
<laughs> Imagine so, if you were going through the airport with a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey and some airport police dog was like, Rome? <laughs> well, I'll tell you a story. My, um, my grandma, I, I grew up in Wausau, Wisconsin, middle of the state in Wisconsin. And she know? would smuggle cocaine in books, she didn't she? She totally smuggled so much cocaine. No, she, uh, and it, it's funny because this is how I found out that there was an actual FBI branch in Wausau. My <laughs> grandma was growing poppies in her front yard and the, F- <laughs> the FBI showed up at her house and dug up her poppies because... Oh, that's mean. It's... I guess you can't Couldn't grow them. Couldn't they just pluck a... Oh, they dug them up like you can't even grow them? You There's can't, some local yeah, ordinance? Yeah, they took them. They dug them up. You couldn't... I you mean, couldn't just like pluck a, a petal and test it and make sure it's not like pot or something? So check this out. If you eat poppy seeds in a bagel or in a poppy seed cake, you will register for opium. Like on a drug test. Jeez, so how many just, people at their jobs have been screwed because of that? Just by eating poppy seed cake. All right, so if any of you have urine tests coming up at work, don't eat poppy seeds. Yeah, that's for sure. Ah, jeez. Here we welcome it. We, we're, always, <laughs> yeah. we're always smoking. Every day so, is poppy seed bagel day. Yeah, we smoke so much opium. <laughs> I, I, I have a hookah right here. <laughs> um, I would have said hookah, but that's how we say <laughs> prostitute in Boston. Yeah, and he does. <laughs> Let's talk about um, uh, this weekend's big new release, Hunger Games Catching Fire. You didn't see it yet. I haven't yet. I, really I want saw to. it. I, I I really enjoyed it. I got to say, I liked it more than the first one, which I liked, but I was like, it's been in my Netflix queue for a while and I haven't revisited it. I just every time I go to, I'm like, I don't know if I need to or want to. This one, I got to say, I, I liked it a lot. I thought it, it, it did a better job of kind of giving you a larger sense of the political uh, implications of this world, what's outside of the Hunger Games themselves. Uh, I like the actors a lot. Uh, I thought the action set pieces were really intense. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised at how much I liked it. Eric Goldman gave it a very good review. I saw it with Roth Cornett, who also... We can start just calling her Roth, I guess. Roth, I don't have to Roth, say her Roth, both Roth, last Roth. names. Um, she has three names. Jennings, Roth, Roth Cornett. Cornett. She's a law firm with shoes. That's why she's the Cornetto Trilogy. That's right. That's that's her new nickname. <laughs> she went from Rothelbees to the Cornett. <laughs> I'll the Cornett. still call her Rothelbees. Um, but i got to say, I really liked it. I thought it had... Um, some some again pretty intense uh, set pieces. Um, you know, I, I there is a bit of a sameness there because you're going through these Hunger Games again. But I guess that's the book. You know, yeah, it is the book, and there's um, a sameness to the book. And I haven't uh, I haven't read Mockingjay, and I kind of don't want to now because I feel invested in the in a movie trilogy. So I'd like to uh, try and remain unspoiled. But I know, look. The interesting thing about people are going to die in it. I know. The yeah. interesting, thing, the, the the hardest thing about Mockingjay, as far as I'm concerned, if you've read the books, is where to split it. You know, like yeah. where do you split it? Where does it make sense? And what do you have to add? Because I do think they have to add a bit of a swell at yeah. the end of part one, and I don't know where they're going to do that. But hmm. I, it is. It, yeah, well, I'm, I'm very curious about how they're going to approach it because I think they have to add a little bit. It's not like that book is any longer than the other two. It might well, be a little bit. It's it's also too like uh, I mean Jennifer Lawrence is she's she's a she's quite the talent because she really for somebody so young she commands the screen. She's beloved now by the industry. She's funny. She's smart. She's beautiful. All that. She's above it. Yeah, nice. she's above it. I mean, she's a, a real star, I think, yeah. you know. So what do you think uh, Catching Fire is tracking from anywhere between, like, 160 to $175 million. That It could be the second biggest opening behind the Avengers. That is crazy as hell. Um, I, I think it'll <laughs> open. so much money. And, oh, then Delivery Man, which, according to our reviewer, Alicia Malone, that sperm donor, uh, sperm donor comedy shoots blanks. Oh, that was my line, that. actually, yeah, but she reviewed it. Um, uh, that's I think Joey said you can always count on Jim for a sperm joke. <laughs> yep, sperm puns. That's your, that's your, that's your, I'm your man. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. I think I'm going to say... The original Hunger Games opened up at uh, I think just under 153 million. It's in this Catching Fire is opening up on I believe the largest amount of screens uh, for a non-summer movie. It's like 4,163 screens. It's a few. Uh, I think I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say um, 169 million. 
Oh man, I was gonna say 170. So I'm gonna say 170. That was okay. the number. In my Do you think he, so? You know, neither of us think it could actually crack 170. I think. Well, I mean, I think it could. I think. I, I mean, the sky's the limit for that movie. But uh, my my sense is like it's a two I, and a half hour movie. I haven't too. felt. For some reason, I haven't felt like the urgency for this movie as much as I did the last one. Yeah. But that just could be where I'm at. You know, like it could be like here. You yeah. Know? It's not like I'm not in the trenches of the <clears throat> high schools or the colleges or, Excuse me. or whatever. Do you think it'll be a very front-loaded movie like the Twilight movies where it'll drop off significantly in the weeks ahead? Maybe, but I think it has a lot more substance than Twilight does. Yeah. And um, it has a good fan base, so there might be some good repeat viewings in there. Yeah. So I think it could actually hold. And the fact that the movie itself is good. Like, it legitimately warrants, you know, Well, here's the thing business. that actually helps it, too, is it comes out and then Thanksgiving happens. And yeah. so, like, there'll be people off that Friday. There'll be people yep. going to movies on Thanksgiving as well sometimes, you know. Yeah. Like you get that surge for a certain segment. And uh, I think it, I think it's actually pretty well timed to do uh, monster business, and it should do really well internationally. All too. right, so I'm going to say uh, Catching Fire number one, 160 million. I think Thor: The Dark World will be second, but I think it's going to have a, a significant drop because a lot of that same audience is going to go to Hunger Games. So I'm going to say Thor two. Uh, second place, seventeen million. It I made. I was gonna say eighteen. Jeez, we're well. Close. There we go. Uh, eighteen for that. And then I think Delivery Man, third place with twelve million. I'm not sensing any real appetite, but you know. Uh, and also, according to Alicia, it's more dramatic than it is funny. And I'm like, didn't he already do that with the, what's the one he did with Kevin James, the oh, yeah. dilemma? The Ron Howard one. The delivery was, man doesn't deliver. <laughs> this doesn't spawn any laughs. <laughs>, laughs. This movie is a pile of semen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Smegrag the movie. <laughs> Inconceivable. <laughs> Ooh, I like that one. Yeah, there we go. There I, we I go. I was trying to do the obvious one, but then I, just didn't, even, I didn't even get there at all. You can leave here. Your own sperm puns about the delivery man and the and the comments of this. Uh, what do you, oh, what do you think? Uh, you think delivery man third place with what? Nine million. Nine million. Okay. All right. So I th- that'll do it for this week's podcast. Uh, give us a shout out over on iTunes. Shoot us your reader email at keepitatreal at ign More than likely, there probably won't be a podcast next week because of the not. Thanksgiving holiday and uh you know we have a lot of other stuff we're trying to get done some people will probably be traveling so uh we'll uh, happy thanksgiving to our our uh, uh american listeners uh everyone else you know have a good one we'll catch you when we're back in uh in uh, december holy crap. actually no the we, we'll still have one more weekend in november no nope. Oh, that's right. Duh. Yeah, this week, (laughs) tomorrow's the 22nd. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So we'll catch you in December. Uh, And by that point, Roth and I will probably have seen The Hobbit. Ooh. Yeah. So there's something to look forward to. Um, All right, guys. Well, thank you, as always, for listening. We'll catch you next time.